Hello and welcome to Warehouse 69, the Fediverse's finest Warehouse 13 Watch podcast. I'm Princess Grace, with me as always is my co-host Timmy, and today, special guest Max. How are you two doing? I'm doing great, Your Majesty. Damn right. I'm pretty good. Good to hear. Tell you, I am pleased as punch to talk about Season 3, Episode 6, Don't Hate the Player, which is just a hell of an episode. It is uh, quite the episode. We finally see uh, the cast isekai into a video game. <laughs> uh, this episode is notable for being one of only four Warehouse 13 episodes that have their own Wikipedia articles. Bizarre choice, but I respect it. And it's one of uh, the two crossover episodes they did, apparently. Three, I think, at least according to this Wikipedia article. Because we do open on a recap. <laughs> oh yeah, and this one's this one has a lot to recap. It tells it reminds us about Sally, whoever the FBI lady. We're reminded yep. of uh, the fact that Doug Fargo exists. We're reminded of uh, the fact that Claudia has spent time in a mental institution, and probably some other stuff because there was a lot in this one. Yep. The episode opens in a coffee shop with an open mic night thing going on. Mm-hmm. And Claudia's picking up some uh, some of that good, good midnight oil bean juice. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it just it just perpetuated, you know, the capitalist uh, trend of exploiting your workers as much as possible. She said, uh, you know, we don't need more agents. We need interns. It's like, come on. Claudia, uh, you gotta where's the fucking solidarity uh, right I can't go get my own coffee I'm like she's like 20 or something yeah. like, you're too young to be complaining about not having an intern to go get your coffee Claudia Pete suggests that she ought to bring that Claudia ought to bring her old get box down <laughs> So does anyone actually call a guitar a git box? I mean, they do now. Uh, yeah, I'm not certain that anyone does sincerely, but I think I've heard it. Uh, that's the thing with Pete. You never, I never know if he's like making up words or if he's doing a reference. So, you can usually tell because, like, if he's doing reference, he will tell you. So I, I looked it up real quick. An Urban Dictionary has an entry for git box, an acoustic guitar. Uh... And this was added November 14th, 2010, which is almost a whole year before this episode aired. So maybe 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 Pete is hip and with it. (laughs) Maybe he's a trailblazer. Yeah, I feel like I've heard this before. So maybe it's a local thing because for Max and anyone just joining us, uh, Pete's actor and by extension Pete both grew up uh pretty close to where I live. Uh I'm trying to Google Gitbox, but all I get are articles Gitbox. about using so- Git the software. Uh, that's funny. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that uh that targeted uh targeted at uh <laughs> search algorithms. Wow. I mean, like <laughs> yeah, like I have gotten the Y'all know about, there's this thing called Google Foobar where, like, if you Google enough, like, programming-y words, 
they will like a little trap door will open up in the Google search results say, "Hey, kid, you want a job?" And if you click on it, it takes oh, yeah. you to a coding, <laughs> a coding test or whatever. I got it once. It was an experience. That's incredible. It's the internet equivalent of uh, kid. Do you want to kid? Do you want to buy some coding? <laughs> <laughs> hey kid, you want to solve some puzzles? Maybe get yourself a job? Eh? Huh? It's like uh, fucking Slughorn in Willy Wonka. Or whatever uh, his name was. Slugworth? Yeah. I'm going to steal an everlasting gobstopper from Larry and Sergey's candy bowl and sell it to Bing for <laughs> $17 million. <laughs> so... To move along on the episode, uh, <laughs> Claudia receives a call from a restricted number or something and complains, uh, Artie, unblock your number. Mm. But it turns out it's not Artie. It, isn't it is, in fact, Gibson. Yeah, you know Gibson. Everyone knows Whoa. Gibson. Is this, is this who they were hacking in, uh, was it Hackers? Hacking the Gibson? That, am I dating myself with that reference? Uh, I, also, I mean, I might be the youngest person here. I definitely get it. So, I've never watched Hackers, but I'm afflicted with, uh, in my teenage years, getting really into nerdcore hip-hop. Oh. <laughs> so, like, I am guilty I of certainly that get the reference. Oh. Hackers Listen. is good. It holds up. Listen, I'm gonna... I'm gonna shame myself here live on public podcasting, but uh, not only was I into a nerdcore hip hop band that was pirate themed, uh, I definitely listened to the most recent album that they uh, released when they reformed during the pandemic. So, oh hell yeah, yeah. are they good? They, I, I think they're very good actually, but they're, I mean. I'm also very white, so uh, my standards for hip-hop are probably lower than people who actually like hip-hop. But uh, I found them because I was, uh, back in high school, I was looking up uh, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is my favorite uh, Coleridge poem, and uh, I was looking on a, like, it was some, like, DRM-free CD, like, purchasing website, and uh, their album, The Rhyme of the Hip Hop Mariner, was on there. Uh, and, I, I uh, imagine spelled R H Y M E. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, the 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 group is Captain Dan and the Scurvy Crew, uh, and it's fucking incredible. I will <laughs> okay. I will die on this hill. Captain I've Dan or listened... <laughs> Captain Dan and the Scurvy Crew. If you're listening, you'd like to be on the podcast. Email us at warehouse69 at tuda.io. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Gibson has apparently gotten the phone number for Claudia off of Fargo, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good thing because they have to rush off to, uh, where is it? Uh, Palo Alto? Yeah. And, uh, find Fargo and, uh, his right. co-worker friend guy. Jerry. Uh, Jerry, yeah, on the couch, uh, non-responsive and struggling in some sort of like full dive VR type setup. Yeah, it's it's your standard stuck in a video game thing. You're yeah. in, 
if you die in the game, you die in real life. You have to win right. the game to leave. Who onlined this sword art? Yeah. <laughs> the, these these boards have been tread before. Uh I would I would just like to say um after having not watched this show for about a decade, uh it was uh a, a great comfort remembering just how bad their visual effects are when to show that they were going from the warehouse to Palo Alto. They didn't even bother to start with a, an establishing shot of the physical warehouse. They just did a 3D model and pulled up. And I was just like, oh, this yep. is this is heady early 2010s sci-fi channel. <laughs> There's... Uh, it was like towards the end of season two, they had apparently spent all of their CG budget because they just like... Digital zoomed uh, in on the render they already had, and it looks yeah, like, like garbage. They took an old sweeping shot and digital zoomed in on it to make it a new shot, and it's just the ugliest thing I've ever seen on television. Ah, uh, God, you can tell. And, like, start of season three, they had a bunch of new CG, so I don't know why they, uh... I mean, I guess they built them as assets, not as, like, okay, we can make new stuff for each... Uh, particular episode so we get a ex explanation of what's going on fr from uh fargo that's trapped inside of a little uh magical box also known as a tv yeah that yep. uh that was quite the pitch yeah it it's funny because like they're clearly trying to intentionally make it look a little bad yeah because Fargo would not manage to make, like, a actually snazzy pitch, but he'd make something that sort of resembles a snazzy pitch. Hmm. Did you ever watch uh, Eureka, Max? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, it has been a similarly distant time, but, uh, yeah, I, I did. Um, that, whole, that whole era of, like, sci-fi shows was... Uh, did you ever watch Sanctuary? I did not. No. Yeah, you weren't messing much. <laughs> uh -huh. It was uh, it was very interesting seeing uh, Stephen Yoon in uh, in this episode. It's like weird seeing an actor who's gotten big after being in like such a small role. I don't know. Is that Gibson? Yeah, that's Gibson. Yes, yeah. he played okay. Glenn in The Walking Dead. Oh right, okay. Yeah, I I haven't I've caught bits of The Walking Dead, but I haven't really sat down and watched it. Oh yeah, he's. Have you he seen? Was in Sorry um, to bother you. He was yeah doing a bunch of stuff. Have you seen the the smallest like role I think he was in recently was uh, Did you see? Uh, oh fuck, was it? I think you should leave. The like sketch show mm -hmm. that. Uh, um. Well, regardless, uh, Stephen Yeun played a guy that got sick. Uh, or no, uh, he he didn't get sick. He was accused of uh, not washing his hands after going to the bathroom and then touching a receipt that the uh, main guy ate and died after doing so. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ooh. It's uh, on Netflix. You should watch it. It's funny. Um, but yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry for that... Oh. Uh, Diversion. Look, the 
the point of the podcast is to go on diversions. If people oh. want to know how the episode goes, they can go watch it. Oh, that's yeah, it's a lot faster. Great, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I guess fun- if this is going to be a two-hour podcast, <laughs> I mean, we don't it, aim for it's two up hours. in the air. Yeah, but but yeah, uh, I guess it is a forty-five-minute episode versus however long this is going to go. Yeah, it's going to be longer than the episode. If you're listening at home. You know you can Google episode synopses, right? You're here because you want us to go on Micah's wiki feed page again or something, right? <laughs> yeah, this has its own uh, Wikipedia page, so clearly you can just look it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess so, speaking of uh, being horny about Warehouse 13 characters, uh, Pete, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little, but man, Pete, uh, just avert your eyes, man. Come on. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Pete's. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, Pete's posterized nipple features very prominently in this episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so basically, they're stuck in the video game. They're wearing this whole VR situation or whatever. They're stuck. Uh, Doug and the other guy, Jeremy, Jerry, are uh. They are stuck, they are, like, convulsing violently, they are not having a good time, and if you try to take the headsets off, it shocks you. Don't try it. Um, Yeah, they rapidly find out that uh, the headsets themselves didn't quite work, but Fargo found a uh, tea kettle with uh, mysterious properties that would make it work. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be the Utah teapot, but we find out later that it's Beatrix Potter's teapot tea set. Yep, and uh, she apparently used it to brew up some delightful mushroom tea. <laughs> and then had some terrifying dreams about rabbits. But we don't find that out until later, where we have uh, Steve and Artie, that classic power couple, Steve, Jinx, and Artie, <laughs> uh, going to invest... Getting a call from Sally, FBI lady, to go check out a, a weird thing that happened. <sighs> Suddenly, instead of the computer giving them a ping, everyone who has an artifact is just calling them. How convenient. Yeah, too convenient. <laughs> so they find Sally Stokowski at, a, uh, at an art gallery where there's a window smashed out. And apparently a guy fell two stories to his death, which is like one of those things that's uncommon because two stories is not that far to fall. Mm-hmm. But uh, the coroner report made it look like he felt he went skydiving without a parachute. Ooh. And Artie is dismissive. He's like, oh, well, clearly he took a running start and flew out the window. I saw it on Mythbusters, which was a lot more timely reference in 2011. Right. Uh, I do find it pretty hard to believe that someone could throw themselves through one of these skyscraper-type safety windows. Yeah, and Sally even... Because they're pretty strong. Yeah, Sally even says this, like, yeah, this is is that super tough plexiglass that is... It's like this for exactly this reason. Right. (laughs) We don't want these to break, specifically. I mean, maybe he had a little glass breaker on him. <laughs> uh, and but it it's made clear that uh, Artie and Steve are finding uh, 
clues. But then when Artie says, oh, no, it's definitely just a regular run-of-the-mill accident or whatever, uh, like, Steve's a little bit caught off guard by it, but he, he goes along with it and waits to announce that Artie was lying until they're just out of earshot. Yep. Steve can- Because he can't not do it. Yes. He just can't. Steve <laughs> it continues to do his thing where he can smell when people are lying unless they're wearing Richard Nixon's shoes. Right. Or, uh, oh, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. And, uh, long story short, it is a lost Van Gogh painting that is, uh, you know, has a bunch of cursed bad shit surrounding it. And, uh, Doesn't seem very lost to me on display at a uh, gallery, yeah, I guess but they, sure. <laughs> I guess they found it. Sure, why not? Right. Lost and then found. Yeah. And, uh, of course they have to steal the painting. Right. Everyone loves a good uh, museum heist. Yeah. We do it all the time. I, yeah. was, I was really looking forward to getting a nice heist. Like, I, I am a sucker for heist shit, but... They don't really do that in Warehouse 13, or at least Artie doesn't. He has his, he has his code-breaking vape and his, you know, and his... His laser- dark side of the moon. <laughs> yeah, his, his Pink yeah, Floyd la- box. Yeah, his, his laser-disabling polygon. And then uh, we flash back to the A-plot, where we see Beatrix Potter's teapot is revealed to us. Uh, we have a no-streak Claudia in this episode. And uh, Claudia rigs up a... A headset that lets Micah talk to people, talk to Steve and Claudia while they're in the game. Not Steve. Pete, Pete. Ba- Claudia while they're in the game. And then they zap into the game, baby. So, yep. I, uh, when reading about this episode and just like the critical uh, response to it, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of mention of, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Nerd Candy. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the the critical reaction on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, enough nerd candy to give you geek diabetes. Yeah, um, I would just like to throw this out that while I am a dyed in the wool nerd slash geek, uh, there are a lot of things about geek culture that I no longer enjoy, and mm-hmm. uh, words like that are are one of them. Yeah, we yeah. talk a lot on this show about. Uh, how most of the time when they do this sort of fan service stuff, this sort of, oh, uh, it's the geek culture reference. Yeah. It comes off so bad that it's, like, offensively pandering. Yeah. Like, if yeah. this were what I was into, I would be upset about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, like, the fact that Claudia's uh, headset definitely looked like knockoff Princess Leia hair when uh oh absolutely yeah it's like oh okay that's cool Uh, like hey nerds you like star wars right well we're gonna say star wars to you you like that yeah uh which this show probably isn't as bad about doing that as eureka is but eureka is chock full of that yeah i believe that uh and uh when they zap into the video game, there's the thing everyone remembers about this, which is that it, whenever they're in the video game, it looks terrible. It's the fucking Photoshop posterize effect or whatever. It's like watching uh, 
shitty I, a scanner darkly. It is I, not good. I said it was uh like worse than the uh like uh old rotoscope Lord of the Rings movie. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's yeah. So it's a posterize effect plus something that's supposed to add like outlines, mm-hmm. but the outline is not exactly intelligent. So it'll do things like like make their face just have a bunch of spots on. Yeah, because it's make their teeth. That was the one that got me. Was just like how much their teeth were outlined. It yeah. just was unsettling. And here's the thing. It looks, when we see Lena later in the episode, it looks good on her. Because she's wearing, like, an outfit that contrasts well enough for the filter to work. Yeah. She, like, yeah. Like, in the scenes where she's in, you can see what they were going for. It looks like a, you know, it kind of looks like a video game, if any video game had ever looked like this. Yeah. Yeah, and there's, like, there's things they could have done to make it better. Like, if you're going to do this, uh, you can put, like, a really solid tone makeup on them because the effect's going to take out any makeup anyway Mm -hmm. and it'll keep them from getting those weird face marks yeah it just felt like someone in post was like you know what we should make this look video gamey if it's gonna be video gamey and just like oh we got a couple presets in uh Final Cut, like, just throw them on there yeah Yeah, it has to have been an afterthought yeah my, my thought here is that like yeah, you know, the CGI they do like the the dragon or whatever looked so bad they put the filter on to hide it. That's what I was thinking <laughs> too go. because when that dragon came out, I was like I was like that looks shitty even for this like visual right here. Yeah. The, the old rollerball 2002 approach. <laughs> <laughs> Footage is too garbage for you to actually work with. Just throw a heavy filter over it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And I will tell you this, the filter they use is good at something, which is, again, showing off Pete's nipples. Like, <laughs> or, so, or, hi- or hiding one of them at some point. Yeah, so the video game they get zapped into, it's like a, a swords and sorcery type situation. Uh, before they go in, they are asked, like, well, what do you want to be in the game? Pete says, a badass, and Claudia says, uh, uh myself, which I guarantee is like, okay, shit, what's like a normal thing I can say here? Um. <laughs> I'll have you know if I was in that situation I would immediately go like be trying to judge how normal the guy asking the question is like I uh, okay can't say persona can't say um this is we're under a time period so I can't say here I have reference sheets but I don't I don't care what you make me but can you make Pete the same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I'll, I'll, yeah like just say I'll have what he's having it's fine <laughs> Uh, though that might not have worked out because uh pete gets he gets downloaded in this whole barbarian situation he's wearing a leather kilt um no shirt except for like a strap for his sword or whatever and claudia is an elf right she said myself but apparently uh gibson heard an elf (laughs) yeah why not? The the classic Pirates of Penzance bit. Uh, oh, you want to be a pilot? Oh, I I thought you said pirate. <sighs> it's it's a whole thing. Especially 
I assume they're doing the old AD&D thing of elf is a a job you have instead of a thing that you are. Yeah. Does the job come with the pointy ears? I guess so. Like, wh- yeah. Why aren't you an elf practice? Where are your pointy ears? Uh, uh, and then I think at this point we cut back to the museum where we see Artie and Jack. You know, Steve is like, "How are you going to get in here? It's a really tough security system." And then Artie plugs his his hacking vape pen into the alarm system and opens the door. Right. You should just stop asking these questions, Steve. Yeah. Like, did you, like you know how this works. Yeah, did did you really think that he, like, would just kind of show up and be like, well, time to bump my way through this. Right. Artie, the guy who carries around the bag that contains whatever you need almost all the time. Yeah. Actually, I think actually all the time his bag contains whatever you need. Yeah, we never see him, like, searching through his bag and coming up empty, like, oh, damn it, I left the the Gwunch Whizzler back at home, or whatever. No, it always yeah. has whatever. This is jumping way forward, but in season four, they acknowledge that, mm. and Artie says, don't, don't say anything about it, you'll jinx it. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so apparently it's a, uh, it's a thing that actually uh, happens in-universe. It always does contain exactly the right thing. Uh, it's a good bit. Uh, and uh, we also see him throw his little eclipse box thing that disables lasers. Yep, and as he's explaining that to Steve, uh, Sally Stokowski shows up in the middle of their heist. In, how inconvenient. In, in the middle of their conversation about how much they love Pink Floyd. Right? <laughs> yeah, which... Uh, Artie does not love Pink Floyd, which I guess is not that surprising since we also have learned that he has no idea what Mary Jane is. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> uh, Artie has never done weed in his entire life. He doesn't even know what it is. Uh... And yeah, Sally shows up in the middle of using some of Johannes Gutenberg's printing press memory paper to duplicate and switcheroo the painting. Right. So uh, I have it noted as he takes out a tiny camera that uh, duplicates the painting. Yeah. So was that camera also an artifact? Because obviously an artifact from the time of Johannes Gutenberg wouldn't have been around when or like cameras weren't around then so it's not like they like I thought it was, it was designed like a for cameras like a mirror or a lens or something maybe it was like reflecting the image onto the paper but see like he took yeah. the picture and then he turned and just like ejected the picture from the camera I mean I'm yeah it's a little strange. I'm not really sure. I don't think it's listed as one of the uh, artifacts on the uh, fandom wiki. Yeah, the, the Wikipedia article just talks about it. The memory paper. When a special camera has taken a photo of a painting, then applies it to the memory paper, the paper shifts. So it seems it's a special camera, but it's developed to make the memory paper work. I guess that makes sense. 
I mean, it makes pure sense. magic, I guess. It yeah. makes as much sense as anything else they could have said. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I had to look up where I remembered her from. Uh, but uh, Ashley Williams, who plays uh, Sally Stokowski, uh, I guess it it must have been from when I watched How I Met Your Mother, but. Every everything I've seen her in, like she just unsettles me a little bit. I don't know why. That's which is very good for this role. Yeah, yeah. like she is supposed to unsettle you. You're not supposed to like Sally. Yeah, so so she's got that going for her this time. But yeah, I can see it. It probably detracts from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm looking at her Wikipedia page picture right now she's a little unsettling there so i guess she's leaning into it yeah like she is also a certified doula so if you're ever giving birth to her you know you're covered ashley williams if you want to come and talk about being a doula (laughs) send an email yeah if you'd like to doula for our podcast email us whereas 69 Anyways. So Sally shows up at the museum while they're burgling the painting. Artie, Artie is explaining how this works to Steve, who pretty much immediately turns around and explains it to Sally. Um, it's a whole situation. Steve is just... I don't get why Steve is unable to get through his head that Artie does not trust Sally, and he should probably play things a little closer to the best. Yeah, why did they hire... Why did the warehouse hire Steve if he's apparently congenitally incapable of keeping secrets? Right. Like, just behave like a normal person. You don't know this person. Leave them at arm's length. It's fine. Yeah, like, I get that you're an honest guy, Steve, but, like, it seems like, can you keep a secret from a person who is right there and someone is telling you not to tell that person things? Your boss, mind you. <sighs> That's weird. So, back in video game land. Yeah. Uh, yep, back in video game land, uh, earlier we had a, a back and forth about, oh, Pete gets a sword, but Claudia just has a, a, a vial of purple goop. And they come across Lena, who is chained to a, the studio si- something disco ball. 54. Studio 54 yeah. Disco Ball. <laughs> the Studio 69 Disco <laughs> Ball. Uh, I can't that's keep the all name. these numbers straight. That's the name of your disco podcast, right? Ah. <laughs> uh, ah. Uh, and, uh, long story short, Pete tries to... Pete tried to chop the chain. Uh, that didn't work. He... It apparently hurts... And Claudia uses the purple goop, just like in real life, apparently, to undo the chains. So, uh, it's worth noting that earlier we discovered that the entirety of the game is themed around Warehouse 13. Yes. Uh, com- uh, complete with a rhyming Artie with a bigger beard who introduces them to the game. Right. And, uh, I noted here that he described the location of the warehouse castle thing 
as deep in the valley of the land of bad. <laughs> oh, the Badlands. Yeah. There you go. Because it's, it's in New Mexico, right? That... South Dakota. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yep. Where I... the national park is, oh, Badlands, Badlands National, national Park, park yeah. right? I yep. think it was New Mexico. Uh, yeah, there's tons of South Dakota things that happen in this series. Yeah, <laughs> most of which uh, don't really match up to the actual geography of the state, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. They they don't uh, they don't seem to care about any of, the, any of the other places they visit either, so it's fine. Right. The, it turns out that everywhere is actually Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So. Pete describes Pete describes something as a classic video game trope. I forget what it is. Oh, I'm not sure. But uh, when Claudia has rescued Lena, uh, up until that point, we have no idea who this is. It's just a pile of rags, basically, yeah. with a foot sticking out, chained to the disco ball, yeah. and Lena rises and grants Claudia a uh, feather as a boon because she chose right. Yeah, she she solved the problem with niceness and purple goop instead of your sword. Though I get, like, it's implied- If the sword would have worked, it wouldn't have hurt anyone. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's, <laughs> like, it, it's weird that, like, oh, the sword is the barbaric option, but, like, using a sword to cut a chain to free someone is, like, is fine. Like it's not right. barbaric. It's 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 beating your swords into plowshares. Yeah, this isn't a, uh, a you know a game with a morality system playing out. Like this is just what will actually uh, solve the problem. Well, yeah, because like it's implied that it is right. Like already, right. like it's made clear that if you the game is a morality play type situation, I guess, but. Uh, yeah, like cutting some cutting a chain with a sword is no more or less safe or barbaric or whatever than using the goop. I guess you could miss with the sword, but like I mean you could miss with the goop. It's part yeah. right near her foot. And and let's be real here. How would you know the goop works? Like yeah. the the goop is it's supposed to neutralize artifacts except for when it doesn't. Um grumble grumble. Huh. I I expected that really- uh, Fable had come out more close to this episode releasing, oh. but the first Fable came out in 2004, and Fable 3 had just come out when this aired. So uh, I thought it was I thought it was funny because uh Pete invokes the name of uh our lord and savior Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Uh, right. In spite of the fact that like I think the most recent game that was like an original game came out in 2008 before that. So three years. And I don't know... I mean, I don't know if anyone considers Crash Mind Over Mutant to be, uh... Good. Good. Uh, Like, I didn't know it existed until I literally just looked it up. But, Pete like, seems to be trying really hard to uh, demonstrate his video game knowledge. Yeah, which, even, bef- even before they jack in, Pete says to Claudia, "I was, I was, I was playing, be- 
playing Frogger while, while you were still in diapers or whatever. No, while you were a tadpole. Oh, there That's we go. It was so great. Oh, <laughs> it's it yeah. a good bird, Pete. Uh, yeah. So I will say, Bio- back to where we. Bioshock Two go had ahead. just come out. Maybe that's what they were thinking of. Maybe. There we go. Yeah, uh, so Lena, it turns out to be of a race of eagle people. Yeah. Yeah. Could've, she has could've gone with massive, very, massive wings. Could have gone with the very easy, just angel. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, no. Yeah, and again, like, Lena actually looks good in this scene. Like she's wearing like a like a white tight body tight bodysuit singlet type thing. I don't know what the garment's supposed to be, but like it contrasts well. It's plain enough to like look like something someone would wear in a video game. You know. It doesn't show yeah. off anyone's nipples. Like it's you know she looks good. Like in the scenes where it's just her, it kinda does look like a video game. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, I guess it's worth noting here, since we've been talking like this is the real Lena. This is a video game representation of Lena. Yeah, this is the only way Lena appears in this episode. Right. Yeah, she wasn't in the last episode. This episode, she's uh, just a, uh, just a, an NPC. Yeah, that I... I don't know if Doug ever actually met Lena on camera, but I guess he must have. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he met on camera. By the way, Doug, it's really weird and creepy to do this. Don't... It's weird. <laughs> uh, I'm developing this video game. Let me put in a bunch of people I only met once. I know That I know in real life. Hello. <laughs> uh, and, uh... Oh, and make them... Extra busty. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. uh... By the way, in real life, they do try dunking the teapot in the purple goo. It does not work, because, of course, it doesn't. Right. If, if that worked, we wouldn't have any more episodes. It's too early in the episode for that to work. And... Like, there's not even some sort of argument here. I mean, I guess the tea is inside of them. Yeah. So they couldn't goo the tea. Yeah. That's a very different series. <laughs> but you just have to feed him some goo. It'll be fine. I I think it's interesting looking at the the warehouse13.fandom.com page for this episode. It seems like a lot of the promo images are from the video game segment, mm-hmm. but not posterized. Oh, so it looks okay. normal. So it looks normal. There's like there's two images. And they just look normal, and I'm like, this would have been a great episode. This would have been, like, just remove the posterize effect, and this would have been an excellent yeah. episode. Yeah, it would have looked yeah. fine. Yeah, that's, that is just much better. Yeah. So, the rest of Lena's screen time is spent with Pete uh, gawking at her. Yeah. And making comments about her boobs. Yeah. It, it's, you and know. And usually mentioning her wings, what she grows. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, nerd humor. <laughs> Nerds love looking at boobs. Right. 
Fargo is a nerd, so obviously he made a video game so he could look at boobs. Fargo, did you know there's easier ways to look at boobs? <laughs> there, there's some shortcuts here you can just take. Like, you, you have a computer, my friend. Did you know you can Google breasts? Think about it. Do you, In fact, do there's you even remember? Some, there's some neat pills you can take that make you grow your own. Do you remember there was... There's something like a couple years back, and it was like the like most uh, searched porn term by state or something, or like by oh, yeah. age, and one of them was just breast, not breasts, <laughs> but uh, just like whoa, just two the singular, the am singular I made, breast. Am, am I made of money? Come on, I just need the one. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they were just really into. Uh... Kung Pao Enter the Fist, right? Did not... I don't think I've seen that, actually. I remember... Okay. I can't remember if they had a female character there with one breast or three, but I remember that being a major, uh, a major plot feature. Well, uh... Total Recall... You know, maybe they're just trying to balance out Total Recall, so... Right. Uh, duh. And I, uh, one thing I liked, and in this episode, visual if visual effects wise, I I actually liked when like someone was defeated and they like did like the blue hexagon stuff. Yeah, they 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 tf into blue cubes and float away. Yeah, yeah. That that looked fine, and I think the like that if they had done no posterizing and just included that for like the real people it would have been primo yeah and uh after and after giving away her boon lena gives lena sprouts wings and flies away and he's like oh how did she do that as if pete pete you're in a video game and also you've used wings before you have right. Pete, you You've have literally done it. Pete, you have strapped wings to your back in real life and flown. Uh, yeah, he says, "How does she get off the ground with those things?" And Claudia just goes, "They're wings." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess those help." Ah, uh, it's a video game, Pete. You were very aware of this until just now. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean. I, I, I mean, I, I, I feel like I got it checked, but you know that when he says, "How did he get off? How does she get off the ground with those things?" Uh, it's he's boob talking joke. about yeah, he's talking about her yeah. large breasts. Mm -hmm. That's why he says the wings help. Mm. Yeah, uh, they go ahead and wander on into Fargo's copy of the Dark Vault. He didn't even walk around the warehouse floor. Like, <laughs> did he download Warehouse 13 as, like, a a model so just, and import yeah, it? Yeah, like, Google SketchUp. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, because, like, Fargo explicitly, explicitly does not have access. To get into the Dark Vault, you need, like, you know, a ridiculous level of clearance. You need to remember this whole long password. And... Right, and he made the whole thing. Yeah. And, like, he wasn't even allowed on the floor that much. Like, he he only had 
uh, blue level clearance or something. He wasn't able to get a tour. Hashtag blue anon. What is Doug up to? But then uh, they discover that there's quicksand there. They get the key they needed, which was really easy. They just picked it up off a pillow. Like, Doug is not a very good game designer, and he admits this in the episode. I mean, considering the console didn't yet work at this point, and it was the first time they had ever managed to make it work, it seems fine. Yeah. Put the key someplace easy. Yeah, it's very much a tech demo. I get it. (laughs) Right. Uh, But there's apparently some quicksand, and uh, our pal Dougie (laughs) is down in the quicksand, and Pete yoinks him out with his sword. Yeah, Pete flips the sword around, holds it by the sharp side, so so that Doug can grab the, the handily part and pull him out. That seems like it would hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Like even if you I, hold I the. Was, fu- okay. I, I was, I was gonna say, I was, I was hoping it was just kind of a like, oh, this is a video game, so he's impervious to harm, mm-hmm. kind of. But yeah, I my hands just started to hurt when I saw him flip that sword and yeah. pull it by the blade. I was like, oh, okay, cool. All yeah, right. like, yeah, like they're not exactly razor sharp. But you wouldn't want to yank on one. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, if nothing else, like, if you're trying to hold the sword by the flat, like, it's it's slippery. You're not going to get a good grip. You won't be able to tug anyone out. Right. Ah. Uh, uh, also, some- Yeah, and presumably he has a sheath, so, like, that's also a stick of approximately that yeah, length. Yeah, like, it- <laughs> Yeah, like, you can give Mike- You can give Claudia some rope. It's fine. Um- you even have like the leather sling your sheath is on. Yeah, uh, it it's weird, but uh, also several times this episode, and this one thing the reviews remarked on is like it is filmed like a first person video game. Yeah, like like we we see things from a Pete's eye view with like a torch or his sword like in the shots, but like it's not very well done. Did you ever so, did you ever see the uh, the Doom movie? I haven't. There's a there's a sequence in there when it goes like first person and he goes like one of the characters goes through and shoots a bunch of demons and it, it felt very much like that. Like like oh ho ho, we're making an homage to a video game. Mm-hmm. I I feel like there was a visual gag they were trying for that just didn't come across, and that was the whole uh weapons equip out of thin air thing yeah oh maybe like like what kojima loves to do in metal gear solid (laughs) cutscenes, like like in metal gear solid 4 his favorite thing to do was to pan the camera just off of a character and then suddenly they're holding a completely different (laughs) weapon uh like and that would have almost worked if they'd like I don't know, put up an inventory screen or something to, like, acknowledge that's what they're doing, but they don't. Right. Or even, like, uh, you know, jump cut to the item just change. Yeah, like, draw a little more attention to it, which is not something I usually say about the jokes in this show. Right, but I think that might have been what they were going Mm -hmm. for, and if so, it was definitely too subtle. Mm -hmm. 
Like, give me, like, a weapon-changing sound effect or whatever. This this kind of pre- Right. Kind Well, this is kind of contemporary with your weapon wheel type situations, but that probably was too new for the writers. <sighs> so, they get Fargo out, and he realizes they still have their, uh, their escape button. Yeah. Which, uh, of course, as soon as he notices that, some big scary guy, uh, walks in and steals all of their Wiimotes. Yeah, he just magnetizes these escape buttons to him. <laughs> Which seems like a questionable design decision. Like, uh, wouldn't you make it so that, like, saying something gets you out or whatever? It seems better than something you could lose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, grumble, grumble. Uh, and uh, then we flash back to the real world where uh, they're putting together the fact that the T both makes video games real and also activates your worst fears uh, by looking through Beatrix Potter's first editions of her books. And Micah notices they're fucked up, and apparently the T activates the the imagination center and also the fucked up dream part of your brain. Uh, the fucked up fear part. Micah asks uh, Gibson, like, well, hey, what does, like, what is Larry afraid of? Because that's going to be in the game. And Larry's like, Gibbs like, I don't know. We talk about video games and shit. And Micah says something weirdly gender essentialist about how women are more in touch with their emotions. Right. And then says, I need a woman. And uh, Gibson just says, you and me both. Yeah, and he, he continues. <laughs> yeah. And then instead of like leaving it there as a bit, he starts like, Acting yeah. like Micah is genuinely going to find him a girlfriend. Yeah, he's like, he's right. like, he's like, if you're bringing me a woman, uh, let me change. It's like, okay, like the you and me both was like kind of funny, but the yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, you don't have to be such a a neat. Yeah, man. we get it. He's a right. He, yeah, he's a he's a dork. He's a nerdist. Yeah. Right. Hello, I'd like one nerd culture reference, please. <laughs> Uh, uh, TFW no GF yeah <laughs> my feet hurt I'm here at the video game thing with my weird boss guy I'd want to go home uh, and I guess we should mention that this whole time whenever Pete and Claudia want to talk to Micah in the real world they have a, a fantasy version of the Farnsworth that has like a like a smoky mirror, mirror on the wall type situation of Micah's face. Yep. Which that was cool. Yeah. I, I thought that was uh, better executed than a lot of the visual effects on this yeah, show. <laughs> on this episode. Yeah, it looked really good. It doesn't make any sense. How does the headset know what Micah's face looks like? But it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. There's. <laughs> it's fuck. It's just magic. Yeah. And then we cut back to the museum where we have this whole thing about the memory paper. Yeah, and Sally is probing and then uh, she sneezes on the painting, causing it to start blasting air through, presumably the same way that our, uh, our, where our museum curator or whoever uh, died. Yeah. 
but they they manage to cling to things. Uh, Steve saves Sally's life, and uh, Artie manages to spray some purple on the painting yeah. to chill it out. Yeah, so it works there. Why don't we simply make everything out of purple? <laughs> then nothing can be an artifact. Yeah, we, look, we have like the fancy upgraded goo goery from that one episode a while back. Uh, so, yeah. The spooky thing about the painting is that it magnifies wind? I think it's just, like, I think I was reading that it just, like, causes a storm. Basically. Mm-hmm. I I also noticed that the second time it activated, there were a ton of leaves. Like, a lot of leaves on the ground. Yeah. And, like, already found one in the opening. And it's like, mm. oh, maybe where did were... all the other leaves go? Maybe they went outside yeah. with the guy. Yeah, they were all headed that way. Yeah, that's fair. But here, one leaf happens to swirl uh, behind the the eclipse device, getting between it and the laser control module thingy, activating the alarm. Ooh. Which causes, like steel gates to fall down <laughs> that's not up to code dog yeah <laughs> yeah you... <laughs> love love to be in a, a failed deadly museum <laughs> <laughs> if you're right. if you're gonna die in here you're going to go down with the art yeah. <laughs> and then sally just did like a oh like a slip and slide move there yeah she just sort of uh manages to get out of there in a hurry, sliding under the gate. What kind of fucking polyester suit is she wearing that it's that slippery? <laughs> right. She's like, she's like, like, whoop, there you go. Uh, yeah, and I think after this, we, uh, they use the key to get into the tower, and they're still looking for Jerry, who they haven't found yet, but who, Jerry knows the game, so he knows that we have to go to the tower. and. uh so they go up into the tower, and uh, the princess they're supposed to be saving this entire time is, of course, Claudia with big tits. Right. And Claudia seems to be the only person surprised by this. Yeah, like, even we at home, like, come on, like, if there's one thing I know about Doug Fargo is that he's weirdly horny for Claudia. Well, not weirdly. Like, I get why you'd be horny for Claudia. I'm horny <laughs> for Claudia. But, like, he's uncomfortably about- He makes it a little weird, yeah. yeah. he is un- <laughs> We know that Doug likes Claudia, and we know that Doug has, uh... He's not great at respecting people's boundaries, and not- And he's not very good at not doing creepy shit with this video game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so making Claudia the uh, princess that needs saving, just exactly what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudia is upset uh, at the description and sa- says something along the lines of, what are those things on my <laughs> chest? Uh, especially because and- <laughs> video game Claudia is very... She's very stereotypical. She's very like, oh, Mario, you saved me. Or whatever. Right. And not, not much character depth. Not really much in common with real Claudia. Right. Just like saccharine sweet princess. Yeah. yeah. 
Also, I got a question, like, the execution on, uh... Fargo's version of Claudia's boobs. Yeah. Because it looked like they just jammed something under her costume. Yeah, like, it's very clear that she's, like, like, she's wearing a top with, like, you know, room for bigger breasts, and there's something underneath there. Which I, I, is what you would do regardless, but they're not, like, nice breast forms. They're, like... Yeah, they, they, you could do better. Yeah, they, they stuffed some newspaper in there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Fargo, uh... Has never seen a boob. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I believe it. Not in person, at least. So we talked. I'm trying to get the chronology right, and he is. He. This is post uh, time shift thing. So Fargo had a girlfriend. Yeah, we we've talked about this, right? but she never existed. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this last time Doug showed up. We we discussed quite a bit about whether or not he's ever touched a boob, or whether he'd fucked, or whatever. Right. Which, canonically, he has, but with someone who had never been born, apparently. Uh, do, you, do you think that undid him no, having seen a boob? Uh, based on the episode in which he uh, starts dating uh, the Felicia Day character in Eureka, yes, it definitely did. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> like, Damn. Your, your boob touching got retconned out of existence, bro. I'm sorry. Uh, hate when I go back in time, alter the past, changing the future, causing... <laughs> My girlfriend to have never been born, meaning that I have never actually touched boob. Yeah, it, it's it's a much more interesting <laughs> variation on if you know if you go back in time and kill your grandfather, do you cease to exist? If you go back in time and cause your girlfriend to not be born, will you still have touched a boob? Did you <laughs> did you still cop a feel? Uh, uh, it's. And again, Doug clearly does not know you can just Google what the boobs look like. Right. <laughs> and then, right after that, you just hear sobbing, and there's Jerry just sitting in the corner of the same room. He's having a time. Oh, he is. Oh, Jerry's not enjoying himself. Oh, by the way, uh, Princess Claudia dies pretty immediately. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, so Jerry's upset because he can't find the way out of the game and that big uh big scary monster thing is chasing everyone. Yeah. Which is because apparently winning the game doesn't do it. Yeah. Because uh the tea is happening and you have to confront your fears. Right. And so we're discovering both through uh, real life and in-game that this guy's fear is commitment. Yep. And the big, uh, scary, uh, black-covered-in-rags thing monster that has a giant axe is actually... His ex-fiance? Well, he never proposed. Ex, ex, yeah, ex-girlfriend. He, he oh, bought yeah. a ring, but he never yeah. proposed. So ex-girlfriend. Ex-not-fiance. 
And yeah. if she was next to Beyonce, we wouldn't be in this mess. Right. We'd be in a different yeah, one. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, it's felt like a, a big, easily solvable problem by just not being a huge weenie. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, if I were Jerry, I would simply... I would simply tell the person I loved how I felt about them. Yeah. I would simply allow myself to be TF'd into a wife guy. I, it kind of does, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I think you're still a wife guy, even if your thing is being anxious about not having a wife. As a, a, right. as a certified wife guy, I saw some, uh, some, you know, some kinship there with, uh, Jerry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He, he he's a he wishes he could be a wife guy. That's all he really wants. Pretty fly for a wife guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we find in Meat Space we dig up Hannah, uh the the ex-girlfriend. And uh I'm not sure she really get and she gives, kind of gives us the the final missing piece of you know, what's up with this guy? Uh he yeah, she explains that he, uh, they had been together for a while and she wanted to get married and he said he did too, but he wouldn't propose. And like, she knew he had the ring and he just wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, he kept making excuses about being like, busy with, uh, by the way, the video game they're trapped in is called Far Games. Because I thought that was the name of a company. But maybe. Yeah, that was the company uh, name. I'm not sure if they ever actually gave the game yeah, name. The, yeah, the company is Far Games. You know, like War Games, but Douglas Fargo. And the, the device they're hooked up to is The Braid. The Bioelectric Reality Augmentation Interactive Device. It's a good acronym. Braid. Uh, yeah, except that uh, when did, the when did fandom wiki bolded the E in electric, <laughs> and that's not in the acronym. <laughs> B, B raid. Oh, no, that's not what we want. Uh, that's some propaganda. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> we'll get more. Uh, so, I, th I think, uh, like, Hannah, you know, Video game Hannah yoinks Jerry, takes him off somewhere. Uh, they cash in their boon to uh to go to where go he to is. The bottom of the tower. Yeah, it's not he's not all that far away, but um they cash right. they cash in their boon and uh Lena of the Eagle People summons her steed to take them there. Their steed is a drag is Oh no no, the reason they need Lena's help is because when they try to leave the room there's a dragon outside that's, like, breathing fire at the door. Oh, yeah, that's right. And... Right, and Fargo is pressed on uh, whose fear it is that caused the dragon to show up, because someone has to conquer their fears. And Fargo's like, no, I programmed yeah. the dragon. Dragons are awesome. Yeah, which, you know what, Doug? We can agree on this one. Dragons are good and cool. Yeah. I, I'll if I, agree with... If I were making this video game, I would also put dragons in it. I would also let you be a dragon, but regardless. And uh, they cash in their boon. They summon Lena summons her steed, which um, even with the filter on, it's like a CGI 
dragon or griffin thing like or whatever. Griffin, yeah. You can't tell. Look, I couldn't tell what it's supposed to be, but I can tell that it looks like dog shit. Yeah, it looks very bad. Yeah. I hate. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with yeah, that. I. I think this is the scene where it where. Oh, we have to put this filter on, otherwise it'll just look terrible. That could be it. Yeah, this could be what they're uh what they're covering up. I'm sorry. I just I uh I was looking at the Wikipedia page and looking at the references, and one of the URLs in the reference is Eddie McClintock WH13tshirts.com. Uh is that his personal it website? Is. It's where he's okay. selling. Oh, come on, Eddie. He's got a click to buy now button for that piece of art that you posted earlier. Oh, yeah. And it's like, let me buy that art. Uh, I, have to, I have to make an account? Yeah, right? It's like. Uh, no, you just have to delete that. The URL's wrong. No, but uh, if, just if, go to the base URL. Yeah, but then if you do click to buy. It then uh, it makes you makes you. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can't. But there's there's no way to make an account. It just says sign into your account to access your profile history and any private pages you've granted, been granted access to, <laughs> with a sign in and a reset password option. So it's like okay. So you email him, I guess. Yeah. Eddie McClintock, if you want to sell your art on this podcast. Yeah, Eddie, I will. <sighs> I kind of want to buy it. Is the thing like? You, yeah, that's the thing. Is like I, it is I, cool. I unironically love it. Um, also, this hung in his son's room ever since the show was canceled, and his son doesn't care about it anymore. So oh, he uh, put it up for sale. This piece that's and one so other lost in the moment were used in. Lost in the moment currently hangs in the downtown chambers of a Los Angeles federal court magistrate judge. I believe this is the correct time to bring up that all lawyers are bastards, including judges. According to that one podcast oh. by the lawyers. <laughs> okay. I was saying, I was like, I was like, mm. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I do work at a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what the uh, the lawyer pod the. Yeah, the, the All Lawyers Are Bastards podcast uh, yeah. has to say about lawyers. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> They're allowed to say it. I mean, they are all lawyers, yeah. so they at least uh, have some first-hand experience yeah. on it. Oh yeah, for sure. I should stop looking at Eddie McClintock's Twitter. That's just what this podcast is now, reading tweets. <laughs> God, he he is on Cameo, and it would be extremely funny to, like... Hire him to do an intro for the podcast. So the thing that gets me is we could probably just ask him to show up on the podcast. Yeah, like ev every other Warehouse 13 podcast has interviewed several, apparently at least has interviewed like not at least one cast member. Not every, uh, the one, uh, Warehouse 13 podcast has interviewed numerous uh, people involved in the show uh the showrunner jack kenny the uh the several cast members including eddie and yeah they have like 
I was just looking. They have like 19 Patreon supporters. Ah. Uh, which is 19 more than we have. Ah. Uh, curses. <laughs> but now we'll never, we'll never be Warehouse 13 Big Shot Podcast Royalty. Yeah. <laughs> we'll continue not having a Patreon. Ah. Uh, I, f- I forgot that he was in Bones. Or like a. Wait, couple- was he featured in Bones? He was in like four episodes. Oh, How wow. did you, yeah. noted bone liker and podcast co host Timmy, not know about this? Oh, because Timmy, I've only you, been. Timmy, do you also like bones? I've only been watching season five of Bones because of the uh, Trash Future spin off show, The Bony Island Whitefish, where they only watch season five of Bones. I did a. Uh, I did an entire Bones rewatch recently and uh it's i have to say of all of the shows which i would uh i would title gimmick shows uh bones is is one of the better ones there are some terrible gimmick shows out there oh yeah Uh, eddie mcclintock played special agent tim sullivan as a he appears in a four episode arc in season two as a love interest for bones and then returned in season 12 Oh yeah. Okay. He plays Sully and he comes back and he's he's quit. He quit the FBI. And, now, and I think he has like a food truck. You no, know, he, he owns like a, a sandwich shop, oh. yes. Yeah. That's Wait, they did that to two guys? <laughs> That's what they did to Stephen Fry. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Gordon Gordon Ramsay was a uh, psychiatrist for the FBI or whatever, and then they had him become a chef, so now he's Chef Dr. Gordon Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) 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 I'm just gonna gonna throw this out there. I'm looking at Eddie McClintock's cameo, and you know what? That's one of the more reasonable prices I've seen on Cameo. Yeah, how much? 50 bucks. Oh, damn. That is obnoxiously tempting. (laughs) Yeah. It it seems like everyone on Cameo is either entirely too cheap or entirely too expensive. Yeah. A fun game to play on Cameo is is to go on and see, like, who was on The Office and isn't doing great these days. (laughs) I I think it's basically everyone except for... Jim, Pam, and Michael. Yeah. Right. Uh, I I went to the Cameo homepage, and there's they have like a Cameo for Business thing, and it's just a picture of Sean Astin looking <laughs> looking quite the way. What 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 makes Business Cameo different? I think it's like literally like it's a business hiring like an actor to uh, do stump stuff. Do you want someone to make an ad for you? Here are all of these people who professionally do yeah, that. It actually says, have Russ, like, so the little pitch is, have Russ from Silicon Valley endorse your brand for a digital ad. Get Troy Aikman to join your virtual event. Have Bethany Frankel spice up your company meeting or internal comms. Wait. Can, can I use business uh, cameo to hire Eddie McClintock? To sit in on a meeting for me. <laughs> like a Zoom meeting? That would be hilarious. Yeah. Oh yes, hi. I 
Uh, my name's Eddie. I am reading for the role of Timmy today. Um, <laughs> uh, this has been great. Thank you. I, I don't. I don't go to meetings. Like no one, no one has ever teleconferenced with me, and that's a good thing. Now consider this. For the price of one Eddie McClintock cameo, you could hire Ken Bone twice. <laughs> Leslie David Baker is like three hundred and fifty dollars. He is he is one of the uh, aforementioned office people. Yeah, and like I just remember seeing a bunch of his like crowdfunding campaigns because he was trying to get a spinoff show made. And it's like it's like sorry. I mean, like you were great in the office, but I don't think anyone was really watching for your character. Have you seen his the rap video he made? I have not. No. I will link it. It is. It's called "To Be Simple," but like the number two, and it is yeah inscrutable. I'll paste it in the chat, but uh, it's a oh. lot. Yeah. So, we probably ought to get back into this episode. <laughs> yeah, we should probably stop talking about The Office. Uh, Hell yeah. So, I think we're back at the uh, B-plot, probably. Yeah, because... Yeah. That cause, seems fine. Yeah, because my next thing... The next thing in my notes is, um... Steve suggests calling the cops, because, um... He's a fucking cop. Right. Don't call the cops, Steve. Yeah. I, Steve, I know you're used to being the cops, but no. I'm not really sure how they went from there to in the back of a cop car. So, like... Other than that they were trapped inside of the, uh, museum. Yeah, so I guess that, like... The alarm was set off, which called the cops, and then that got them arrested? It's also daylight, so, like, were they stuck there all night? Yeah, I don't know. Because there's that giant second floor window standing open. You can just jump. Yeah, it's yeah you, made, you made a lot of hullabaloo about the fact that this is a very survivable fall. <laughs> right. That was... <laughs> like, you might hurt yourself, but it's not going to be that yeah, serious. The whole reason you're here is because that's a very survivable fall. Uh... But I don't think we're... And so, yeah, Steve and Artie are shoved in the back of a cop car until uh, Sally shows up and gets them out with with some FBI dick-waving. Right. Yeah, she uh, she very kindly bails them out and gives them back the painting. So, like... She's a good guy? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Not not for long. Right. And we, as the viewer, should not be fooled at this because we've seen her do bad things yeah. in the past. Bad things beyond working for the FBI. Right. Things that are bad to the cops, not just things yeah. that are bad in general. Uh, and, uh, ba ba ba. I think we kind of cut back to the video game here, where, uh... Yeah, the, the B-plot is wrapped up. It was very easy. Like... <laughs> yeah, it was, uh... They could have done more with it, but what are you gonna do? 
Right. So back in the video game, uh, they're talking about, Claudia's talking about how ever think of something and like, no, you aren't, uh, you can't think about it. So you're trying really hard not to, but now it's all you can think about. This is a, yeah, this is a, a choose the form of your destructor type situation. Yep. And Claudia's is, uh, doctors at the psych ward she was at which is a pretty reasonable one and i think right before this we see larry i think his name's larry i'm not going to go back to wikipedia to check doug's friend jerry is he's about to be beheaded in a guillotine by his monster wife his monster girlfriend yeah she she it was interesting because she set up the candle to burn the rope holding up the blade Mm -hmm. which is like I mean, I guess if you want to kill him, just cut the rope yourself. Don't. Yeah, yeah you have that big axe. Yeah, don't use a time release mechanism that someone can easily mess up by uh, blowing out a candle. Yeah. So I think the point of that is that uh, his actual fear is commitment and being forced to actually commit. Uh, that's fair. So being put on the time is actually more of his fear than just being killed. He's like, just kill me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I'm not going to propose. Just kill me already. Yeah, pretty much. And uh... I, I do have to say though, you know, this this episode came out in 2011, right? I feel like that was a time at which if she really wanted to get married and he wasn't proposing, like, why did she not just propose to him? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. It's weird that, like, oh, I was waiting for him to, pro- you know, he wants to marry you. Propose. Right. You've seen the like, ring. Like, you have already had the exchange. Like, yeah, like, you have already had like, the exchange. Like, do you want to marry me? Yes. Okay, cool. Do you want me to ask it again while I'm on one knee and holding a ring? Yeah. Right. I simply express what you would like out of your relationship. This episode of Warehouse 13 is less progressive than The Tale of Mr. Morton, a schoolhouse rock song that came out in 1993, which does in fact feature, <laughs> you know, a woman proposing to and marrying the titular Mr. Morton. That's incredible. Yeah, so that was one of those things where it's like like if 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 you wanted to marry him so much, like Pop that question, babe. Yeah, like, the song even includes, like, and she showed up with a single rose. Who says woman can't propose? Da, 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 da. It's all very sweet. It's, come on, lady. It takes right. some initiative. And uh, it is made clear to us that uh, if you die in the game, you die in real life, which we kind of assumed, given the fact that, like, every time we cut back to meet space... Everyone who is strapped in the machine is having a viscerally unpleasant time. Yeah, but only really when they're having an unpleasant time in yeah, the game. Yeah, like once they once they pulled Doug Fargo out of his quicksand, which I guess he he had nightmares about drowning when he was younger. Uh, like he's better in real life. And uh, uh, I I thought it was very funny that like when they first got there, they were super worried about Doug's like heart rate being in like the high 180s or something and then like later in the episode all four of them are at like 240 beats per minute 
and like it, they weren't like freaking out even harder. It's like it's like oh, you realize that they're about to die. <laughs> yeah, this is the actually bad time. <laughs> yeah, one hundred eighty is out for a jog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, and at some point it's made clear that like. You have to be the one that kills your fear. You have to be the one that overcomes it. Unless, I guess, you're Doug Fargo getting pulled out of the quicksand by Pete. Oh, he had to pull himself out, but using Pete's uh, sword. It's okay to have help, which makes sense. Uh, right. It's a good moral to yeah. the story. Your friends can come by and help you, but you have to yeah. ultimately face yeah. your fears the, yourself. And though, even though they know that, they do sure waste a lot of time trying to stab... Uh, Hannah. So. Right. And Claudia imagines the worst possible scenario where everyone is in straitjackets and she's strapped to a table and about to get, uh, electro electroshock therapy brain calipers. Yeah, like, yeah. this is genuinely unpleasant because Mike, Claudia keeps telling herself this isn't real and the, the, Doctor Man plays into this like, yes, none of this is real. You, the warehouse is a fantasy. You're still in the psych ward with me, which is pretty scary. I get it. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. It, if not for the weird filter and you know a lot of how this show is, like that concept by itself is pretty terrifying. Yeah, like, yeah, like I can understand how like Claudia would be genuinely afraid of this. Like I get it. Uh. But she does manage to turn the tables on this guy and zap him to death. And, yep. Um, yeah. And uh, at some point during all this, uh, was, Pete, at some point during all this, their communicator stops working because Pete thinks about how scary it would be if that happened. <laughs> and so Micah has to zap in there herself. Um, Pete explicitly remarks on the fact that she's dressed like a dominatrix. And... Right. Uh, I'm not really sure why Micah shows up. I guess she just lost contact, and so she's like, okay, I'm going in, and then dressed, uh, put on a red hood and got herself a crossbow, and rocked on up and just, like, shut everything down, helped save Claudia from the, uh, yeah, from the evil doctor. She saw, she shot the doctor and the orderly with a crossbow. And then Claudia was able to, like, oh, it's electrocuting time. It was... Yeah, I don't know. It, it was, seemed like a very weird, like, deus ex machina thing. Yeah. It's, like, Pete at some point says, bring it, biatch, which he is... Far too white in a dude to be saying. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he, he swings his sword at the uh the Hannah monster. Uh Hannah monster Tana, I don't know. Um and she goes right through her. Yeah. Yeah, she turned on cheat codes. Yeah. I I think she's <laughs> She typed no clip in console. Yeah, I think Pete even yeah. says, like, oh, you're cheating, or whatever. Yeah. Until Jerry finally works up the courage to propose to his wife. 
He just sort of, like, gets on one knee and, like, jams the ring yeah, on Yeah, Micah says, like, you have to tell her how you really feel, uh, otherwise this won't work. And he just, like, he produces a ring, and then he just kind of gets out of one and just says, Hannah, will you marry me as fast as he can? And puts the ring on her finger. It looks like a ring pop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That rock was huge. Which, you know, they are in a video game, I'll grant them that. Sure. I mean, that's fair. And uh, so Jerry embraces his destiny as a wife guy, and they all get zooped out of the video game. And we see the worst example of poster eyes fucking up with, the, uh, or no, the weird outline uh, fucking up the teeth, because it looked like the uh, Hannah monster had some serious tooth decay. Uh, going on oh yeah it was it was bad yeah and uh when we're back in the real world uh they meet the real hannah Mm -hmm. which is a little frightening because they were just dealing with a scary monster hannah well frightening for everyone except pete apparently pete is into that shit yeah Listen, yeah, because Pete Pete's, preferred her with the axe. Yeah, Pete's yeah. just into strong battle axe wielding women. I mean, I get it. Right. Yeah. Me too. Same. <laughs> yeah. I have an axe. It's in Colorado right now. Should get it up here. I'm not. I'm not gonna yuck Pete's yum. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like. I'm not gonna comment on Pete's taste. I am going to comment on the fact that he has weird sense about boundaries. Yeah. Right, yeah. Claudia even points out, okay, now I know entirely too much about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete, you don't have to talk about your kinks at work. You know how they say you know how right. when pe- you know how people say bring your whole self to work? They're lying. Don't. They're trying to get you to do more work for <laughs> right. less money. Yeah. Yeah, do not bring your whole self to work. <laughs> uh and uh, there it is. It's wrapped up in a neat little bow. Uh, we see Claudia performing at the same coffee shop with a showing a really big necklace for some reason with like some giant gems in it. Yeah. Yep. Our uh, our pal Jerry proposes to real life Hannah, mm-hmm. and they're like broken up. They've been separated for a week. You don't just get married right after yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I get it as a that, as a that, as a trope of like romantic comedy kind of stuff. It... Yeah, and that was the one thing that seemed to be standing in the way was that he wouldn't propose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Claudia's singing uh, "Where Is My Mind" at the open mic. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm kind of glad they did that. Like they should have been doing more of that with Claudia. Yeah. And uh, appar- Wikipedia says this episode also had Gerald Freed's Kirk's fight music from the Star Trek episode Amok Time. Yeah, that's uh, that was when they were fighting. It was Pete fighting the Hannah monster. Mm. Dun, 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 that one. Oh, right. The one that felt okay. Yeah. The one that felt incredibly out of place for the moment. <laughs> Sweet. Because that was just like clearly fan service. Yeah. I actually didn't realize it was that one until you mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh, that's why it uh, felt so out of place." Hey, nerds, you like Star Trek, yes? Yeah. 
Uh. And then, uh, right at the very end of the episode, we see the painting that uh, Sally gave to the warehouse uh, has a bunch of nanobots bust forth yeah, from it. Yeah, a bunch of uh, little robot insects. Yo. They fly out and swarm over the warehouse. I'm sure that's not going to be mentioned ever again. Yeah, this couldn't possibly cause any problems. And so before this, we do see, like, you know, a bunch of these paintings are, like, hanging in the warehouse, like, in frames and everything. They're just on the wall. Why would you hang them up like this? A lot of these paintings, like, kill you if you look at them wrong. Right. Yeah, it seems strange how they display some of the dangerous things in the warehouse. The warehouse has, like, a... They have a weird sense of what is and isn't, like, worth locking up or whatever. Like, there's the the, the dark vault and the Escher vault, but the Escher vault is only for the personal effects of people who are bronzed and the stuff in there isn't necessarily dangerous. But, oh, and... Yeah, the... But the Escher Vault is also probably the most secure place in the entire warehouse. Like, without some pretty extreme equipment, you cannot break in there. It's a shame about, uh... It's a shame they keep forgetting about it. Also, apparently just decided to put, like, H.G. Wells' harmless amulet in there. Yeah. Yeah, her locket with her picture of her yeah, daughter. Which, again, it doesn't do anything weird. It's just a locket. She could have been bronzed wearing it. It, it wouldn't have caused any problems. Uh, that's about it, at least as far as my notes go. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had for this episode. I think we forgot to mention it. Did you mention that uh, Sally goes and talks to some secretive wheelchair-bound man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be important. We're moving that plot right yeah, so along. Far, oh, baby. So far, we've seen Sally twice and other people at least once, like, go talk to a mysterious, shadowy figure. Ooh. So spooky. <sighs> I gotta say, it's very... Whoever this season's villain is, I don't- I like it- I like it less. Like, they- the, McPherson and H.G. Wells had their problems, but at least, like, at least they were characters. At least they did things and wanted things, even though the writers couldn't figure out what those were. This is just, like, a shadowy figure. Yeah, McPherson was fun to watch most of the time. Yeah. Things were weird, but, like, mostly he was fun. Uh, like... Yeah. HG was very pleasant on screen. It was off screen that she had problems. Yeah, I really liked HG. I wish they had continued to keep having her in the show, but alas! Ah. Uh, I mean, this isn't the last we're seeing I know, HG. but, like, he should be there instead of Steve. Yeah, like... It, We've been over this, but it's very strange that uh, she ultimately decided, oh yeah, destroy the world. That's that's my yeah, thing now. You know what I love? My daughter. You know what else I love? Eco-fascism. Uh, okay, Helena. 
Oh, let's check the trivia section real quick. Uh, the tagline for Far Games is Imagining Greater, a play on sci-fi's tag, Imagine Greater. Ah. Ho, ho, ho. Did you know, even the highly critical IGN reviewer admitted that her that uh, Alison Scagliotti's guitar performance was, quote, actually quite respectable. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Claudia's guitar playing gets a 10 out of 10 from IGN. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah, the Eddie McClintock painting that you can currently buy is featured in this episode. I mean, it's in the yeah, gallery. Can you buy it, though? I like the I'm... website seems broken, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm... Listen, I'm trying. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> uh, message Eddie on Instagram. Be like, yo, Eddie. When am I? When, when am I gonna? Uh, when am I gonna get this everything? Yeah, like I kind of want to log back onto Twitter just to like add him and say like, "Hey, your website is broken, but I would buy the hell out of that painting." What's up? Yeah, should I use the uh, the pod Twitter? <laughs> I mean, you gotta do something with it. Yeah, you should. I'm. I'm always terrified at the concept of someone who worked on this show actually ending up on the show. Yeah, though. that would that would be a really weird situation. I think with the name Warehouse Sixty Nine, you're probably okay. I mean, probably. like I can very much see like <laughs> Pete making a joke where the punchline is sixty nine. Yeah, my brain's fair. inventing a false memory of it as we speak. Yeah, I mean, uh, and it's not like we're that far off from shows like Podcast 13 that actually had Eddie on. Other than that, we've been a lot more critical about the show over this over the episodes. I, I wonder what uh, Eddie McClintock uh, thought when he first saw his hyper nipples. <laughs> uh, in post Eddie if you want to talk about your nipple experience please email us at warehouse692.io we would love this like we would love to have you on the show in general but if you just want to like you know tell us about the nips maybe that's what you could get a cameo of him for <laughs> hey Eddie here's 50 <laughs> bucks uh, can you tell us about uh your weird nipple rotoscoping on this episode of Warehouse 13? Or nip niproscoping, as I have calling it. There we go. There we go. Uh, so yeah, we probably just wrap yep, up, right? Uh, yeah. Truly it was Warehouse 13. Uh, Max, let's start with you. Where can we find you? Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Fair enough. Demi. Max cannot be found. Mysterious. I'm Timmy at George.horse. And uh, yeah, I have the music blog site, minidisc.rocks. Uh, if you'd like an invite to write stuff about music, hit me up on my George account. Hell yeah. And I'm the Internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing programs, podcast posts, everything else that's fit to plug at princess.software. See you next week.
When I saw the albatross drop, I was pissed It was like a warning shot, but it didn't miss Then it got warm, so there's no crime to blame That was until the ghost ship came On board was death, and the lady shooting dice Death won the roll for my soul, oh nice Tried to sneak away, but it just didn't work So I flipped off the cat and, great job you jerk Now I'm a zombie, curse in my eyes No turning back from the black in the skies Me die easy, you're off your rocker I'm too mean for Davy Jones' locker Listen up boy or your life is lost This is why you don't kill the albatross I will survive and I will not fail I'll be the first dead man who could tell my tale The albatross, oh the albatross Pirates paid the cost when that bird was lost Now I tell this tale so it won't be forgot That these rhymes so hot that they can kill on the spot